I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words of DraftKings podcast. I am joined, as ever, by Matt Vincenzi. Matt Vincenzi from the Dungeon, hello. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. I've, uh, I've got a little bit of a throat issue, so if anyone thinks I sound nasally or awful or whatever during this podcast, that is the reason why. Uh, it will be a bit short this week, that's the reason why. Uh, I think after, I don't know, how many weeks of, of golf podcasts, I think my throat has finally given up, but... Um, you know, we still do it. This, this is why we're here. Um, Pebble Beach, Matt. Yep, yep. And the grind. Uh, last week was was pretty good. I had some really good lineups that was in the mix and second place all the way up until the back nine on Sunday and uh, trying to win some single entries. But I had Hideki and Day and all the plays I said on the show, and they ended up being really good plays. And it was a, a very positive week that I, I wanted to win something, but you, you got to take the positive weeks when they come. Yeah, I think that... When you, you messaged me, you know, you had a chance to kind of leap into first at the time. I think with kind of Brendan Steele and Ricky Fowler kind of flip flopping at one point. Um, you know, it looked really good. I think Day was running out of holes. Matsuyama maybe showed a little bit of rust in contention. Uh, but you're certainly right to pick pick Matsuyama. I mean, I didn't like his chances at all, and, and he played brilliantly for, for long periods of that week. And, you know, it just shows that class definitely is permanent, and these guys can just turn it on whenever and you know like you say when you look at his course history it wasn't bad um i thought it could have been better but i think probably not taking into consideration some of the players that were missing last week um you know just generally speaking most of these events are getting a bit weaker and apart from the top guys right so it wasn't a surprise to me in the end that actually retrospectively he did pretty well yeah yeah and i i think i said last week i thought he could actually win and then at some point i thought i was going to be proven right when he, was really, he just started making every putt. Um, but his course history was decent, and also he gained 5.7 strokes in approach the week before, which is the only thing I really care about when I'm looking at Hideki's stats is that he's getting those irons going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and then here we get this week where, once again, I mean, you, even though the, the field isn't great, we usually got, like, DJ, Cantlay, and, and Paul Casey here, and that's a kind of another uh, domino to fall with, with Liv and everything that we aren't getting, you know, the, the fields that we need. Yeah, I think we saw last week on the DP World Tour that, you know, like it or not, and I'm not going to get into that, <clears throat> you do benefit from having all the guys there. I mean, yeah. Patrick Reed, for what he is and isn't, made that event uh, more exciting. And, you know, it just it, it is what it is. It, Poulter played well, Stenson played well, Richard Bland, honestly, keeps playing well, which is a, a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, you look at the Saudi uh, international event this week, it, the field's really strong. And yes, people keep mocking the strength of the live players, but where is the strongest field this week? It, it's there. So yep. um, Pebble was a little bit of a probably not the best comparison because no one tends to play here. It was only really those kind of select guys with Berger and, and Johnson and Mickelson in his time that Casey, like you said, that kind of played here. And then you've got the AT&T guys. But you know, this is, this is an event that was kind of dying off, and now it's getting even worse. Yeah, it's it's pretty bleak this week, especially after the top. I mean, the top three is good, but after that, it's, you know, really bad. I, d- um, I don't know who actually would play from that live bunch if they could. There wouldn't be a lot. Probably Phil. Yeah, and even he would probably have played in Saudi by this point. I mean, like, oh, yeah, D- like yeah. DJ had kind of already made the move over to that event before. 
Um, you know, we, we see Cameron Young's playing over in there uh, this week as well. So Sebastian Munoz is being confirmed, I think, as a live player. Mito Pereira, the worst kept secret in golf, is, is going to be playing over there. So they're doing a job of poaching guys and just taking away the depth of the PGA Tour. And, and it is sad. Like, I, I, to be honest, when I was not pro-live, but a little bit more kind of on the fence about it, I didn't really think about the long-term damage it was causing. And th- this is a sad reality when you look at this field of... <laughs> what's going to happen yeah yeah um it is it is it's kind of two weekend tours which is the end of it so i guess we look forward to majors and um i don't know i guess these elevated events will still be good and stuff but hey you got to embrace it and this uh, this tournament isn't great but like if you have somebody in the mix on sunday or the leaderboard shakes out right on sunday it's actually a good watch on sunday i, I think it's a great tournament to, and to be honest i Golf in general, I tend to just only really watch Saturday, Sundays now because like yep. Thursday, Fridays, I'm doing a lot of things, and you know, golf on Thursdays and Fridays isn't the most exciting, right? Unless you're kind of chasing the cut line. So, um, like, yeah, I think the Sunday is absolutely fine if you've got people in the mix and you've kind of got most of the celebrity action out of the way, and we, we've kind of got our fair um, amount of Ray Romano and, and you know Bill Murray, but. Yeah, I think it could be a fine event. Like for for these purposes, it's actually a really exciting event to kind of do DraftKings because you've got so many different ways you can go about it. I mean, let, let's just dive straight into it. There's four guys above ten uh, k and above, and it's Spieth ten six, Hovland ten three, Fitz ten one, and Tom Hoagie ten. Um, who who do you think is the most likely to win? Good question. I think it's one of the first two, Spieth or Hovland. I guess if I had to say the most likely, I think I would probably say Spieth. It's interesting. I, I think Spieth is the most likely to win, but I think I prefer Fitz over Hovland. So I, I've kind of taken a bet on Fitz to be top European at plus 300. I basically consider uh, Hovland his kind of closest rival, obviously. And other than you've got the likes of Rose and Knox and people like that. But once you take out Spieth from that list and instead of betting him from a kind of a top five, top ten perspective, just bet him against the European guys, I think. Yeah. That makes sense, and then, and then you got um, yeah, Dietrich and no one, no one else really. Yeah, and like look, Dietrich can definitely play well. Seamus Power can definitely play well. Power can definitely win the event, I think. But like from a <clears throat> from a just a complete reliability standpoint, I think Fitz is actually probably the most reliable of those three. So then you add him into the fact that you're who he's playing against in that bet. So I think Fitz makes a good pick here at ten one. Do you think he can win? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think I think any any of these four can win in the ten carriage. I think Tom Hogan can go back to back. To be honest, just the way he's been hitting his irons and wedges. But I, I know there's kind of this thing that Fitzpatrick's best strength at the moment is his driver, and that's a bit negated here. But that was the case twelve months ago when he finished sixth. Yeah. What do you think about? You know, are we making too much, or are people making too much of Hovland's success here? We won an amateur event here, and then he he was a low am in the at the U.S. Open here in 2019. Like. I guess the the low am thing in 2019 is more important than anything, like finishing 12th there. But again, that's in kind of tough conditions as opposed to what he's used to in, in Pebble Beach. He finished 38th here in his only Pebble Beach Pro-Am start, final round 77. He was only 15th going into the final round as well. So not to say that he can't win here. I think he's absolutely fine. And I think, you know, in terms of what he does well, low scoring events is perfect for him. I just don't think he's that reliable right now. And in an event where anyone can kind of win based on who can get hot on what round and where the weather comes, I think I would probably just leave him alone. Yeah, I think for me, I'm probably leading Speed as the guy to play here. But I mean, his his results this season so far haven't been encouraging. He was 13th at Century, but 
wasn't great with his irons. Um, Sony, he, he missed the cut. So it's like you really are depending on that course history. Yeah, but I, I do think there's just a limit to how bad Spieth can play at this event. Like, I think he's just perfectly suited, likes the kind of sponsorship thing, probably gets paired. I don't know if it's like Jake Owen or something like that he gets paired with, like probably just loves all that kind of thing. Um, so I think that I think this event, more than kind of the courses itself, it's who's comfortable in those six, seven-hour rounds, who's comfortable just lack, you know, lacking up with sponsors and celebrities. So the fact that he's finished first, second, third, ninth here, kind of suggests everything you need to know. The only time he's actually played badly at this golf course, really, was the US Open, which is a completely different test. Even when he was 45th in this event, he was fifth at the halfway stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so Spieth is my guy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just play Spieth. He's pro- looking like he's going to be the most popular of the three. I don't think it's going to get out of control. It's somewhat spread out. Like, I'm thinking Spieth's going to be, like, maybe 24%, 25%, which is somewhat high. Um, and then you're going to get Hovland, like, 18, 19. It's, like, 15, 16. Hoagie is up there, too. He's looking, like, 18, 19 as well. So, nothing. I, you just pick the guy you want. I don't think it's a week where you can fade them all. Like, I know no. we kind of talk about that every now and then, but I think you could, there's actually, I'd almost be more interested in putting two of them in and going with stars and scrubs than I would be to scrap all of them all together. I, I agree with that, but the only issue is the scrubs here are the real, real scrubs. Yeah, like, I know. The, the actual scrubs are like 7,400. Yeah, that is that is a concern. But I think, you know, you're, you're left with 7,300 if you take Fitz and Speeth. So I think it's doable if you take those two guys or even Speeth and Hoagie. Um, I think if you try and take Hovland and speed you're kind of stuck yeah yeah so yeah so i think you know your speed i'm fitzpatrick in that range i definitely love what tom hoagie's been doing that there's nothing to suggest that his kind of form is really going to slow down um it, it's just it's hard to see him price with these guys i guess yeah he's not for me this week i'm sure he can play well but i just i just like the ceiling of the other guys better i don't think he's going to win back-to-back years and these guys i think you you want to pick the guy you think is going to win yeah 9k range then Starts with Seamus Power at 9A, ends with Joel Damon at 9. I have bet Joel Damon. I know there's the concern that he's not played in however many weeks, was it? I don't know how many weeks it is, but he's been off for a long time, hasn't played in 2023. But I just think he was playing so well before the break. He's now had that kind of hashtag perspective moment of of the new baby, which we've seen as kind of boosted Max Homer. They're kind of buddies anyway, so I guess they've probably been bonding even more over this kind of experience. I just think if he was going to pick anywhere to come back, like I'm glad he didn't rush back to Torrey Pines last week and just absolutely hack it up because he hadn't played golf for a while. Like Come back to the really friendly Pebble Beach. I don't know where he's teeing off in round one, but if he can just kind of coast his way through, make a couple of birdies and keep himself in the mix, I think he can catch fire over the weekend. I, I, I do too. I was really considering betting him as well. Um, I've made six bets so far, all of them between 90 and 180 to one. So I, I want to add one guy who might actually have a chance to win. Yeah, <laughs> I think you do have to take one from like nearer the top. I, I know that it is kind of long shot season. I do understand that. Um, you know, you only got to look at the recent winners, but a little bit like we've seen in the DP World Tour this week, everyone's kind of going this long shot heavy thing. I think ultimately, when you look at the winners of this event, they're not they're not these three or four hundred to one guys that people seem to be desperate to play. Yeah, for me, it's like coming to come down to in terms of the bet of like. McNeely power or or Damon I think power is the best number of the three it seems like the most value like at 25 yeah. is the most number. he's just getting a little po- like so popular I know Homer was last week but I don't know are, are the books going to take an absolute beating two weeks in a row it's just one of those things isn't it where people don't like to go with the most popular bet and 
whereas with DFS that matters more, you know, a million people can be on the same bet. You, you win what you win, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, I think I probably agree the power's the best value. I just think that Damon's got that win under his belt. He's got that kind of course history here. I think he's matured a lot as a player. Maybe it's because, you know, he had this, you know, the baby incoming, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like Damon. It's just short, and, you know, just short of that. Putnam's going to be popular at 9-7, I guess, from a consistency standpoint. Yeah. Um, he looks pretty good. I was just, you know, I knew the price was going to be bad, but I didn't, uh, I didn't think it was going to be this bad. <laughs> I just don't, I don't trust him to win. And no. Like, he's 9,700, so what's the upside in playing him? Like, I don't want to play him as the second guy behind Spieth or Fitz. No, for me, it would be McNeely. I mean, he's going to be popular too, but my my bombs are going to be a little um, different. So, like, I would probably just go Spieth, McNeely. Like, course history, just trust it. Yeah, look, McNeely is is going to break through at some point, is, is the notion. Where else is he going to do that when I think his house is on number 11 here, or his parents' house is on number 11 here, so... Um, second and fifth this event already loves this kind of putting surface didn't necessarily get it going last week in the end as I thought he might do obviously I was on him last week but 31st was pretty good at Torrey Pines really uh, against that field for his skill set too yeah he's yeah. not really a ball striker I mean look I, I want to get on him and I was like I almost went to write it up and like make the case but then I was like I can't make the I can't make the case he, yeah, like, it's tough course history is great but he's lost on approach nine of his past ten starts um he just gains a million strokes putting. Like, that's basically it. The idea is that that's going to turn around at some point. He's just going to regress to the means. He's not a bad ball striker, and he's coming to an event where he's going to have 150 yards in all the time or less. So I think he's fine. I yeah. I assume you're going to go to Cooch? No, he's too expensive. I yeah, but is it. that not? But you like it when they're too expensive. I do like that, but I don't know, man. Like, I thought he was going to be. I thought I was going to bet him this week at seventy to one. I honestly thought I was going to bet him. Is he thirty-five to one? Thirty-five to one. Yeah, I know. And I don't really get that either because it's not. If it was an event where he plays like really well all the time, like I think Mike Avery plays pretty well. Sony plays pretty well. He's not got that great a history here over the last few years. It's decent, but I mean, I just, I don't know. I can't play. I'm not going to play him over over McNeely. I, I agree with you. I like Damon a lot, I, and I don't think I can play him over him. Um, so. And then even Rose, like, I don't know. I just think he's a better player right now than Kuchar is. And I like playing Kuchar, but I just, even if he was too expensive, like, I think 8,500 is too expensive. Like, sure. 90, I'm not playing him at 9,400. Yeah, I mean, look, just look at the last one. Miscut, 38, 20 seconds, 60 second miscut. It's not it's not great in terms of his course form. And he's priced like it's one of his favorites. That, that would be the, like, we've been, or you especially, have been kind of really high on Kuchar when people haven't. And if you're saying no, then... I don't have a ton of interest. Yeah, I think the seventh at Sony is what made is what made his price inflate. I guess, and, and I guess he's just solid. Like he's probably reliable, but nine four, you want more than reliable. Yeah, I don't really like anybody else in this range. I think Power's fine. I think Damon's fine. And if you want to play Putnam, you know, absolutely fine. But I don't necessarily advocate that. No, uh, no. Do you think? I don't advocate for it either. Do you think uh, Power's being overrated in this event in terms of his chance to win? No, not really. No, okay. I think it's a, a fairly weak field where if the top three don't have their absolute best, then he can win. So um, then I guess you've got kind of question marks about McCarthy and Mitchell, but they're not. I mean, Mitchell, I just don't like him on Power, and as though he finished 12th here last year, he's not playing as well as I liked him before. 
I know he had that 22nd at the Amex, but that was fine. McCarthy's a bit different. I think it's his type of event, and I could see him definitely being the kind of person that breaks through here, but again, he's got a 12 to his name, and that's it. Yeah, he is not for me either. So then you, the eight start with Pendrith and Dietrich, kind of similar guys that are best placed off the tee. Bit negated here, really? Yeah, I think so. And both those guys can be pretty low owned, especially Pendrith. Nobody's playing him. Um, but so I then, won't so be. So do, do you. Okay, so that answers that question. But do you think that talent does just win over at some point? Like, especially as the fields get weaker and weaker? It could, but I don't know. It, he just has a certain type of. I think it, I think play. in Pendrith's case he's not actually playing that well, whereas no. I think Dietrich is playing better, and that's why Dietrich's way more popular. But I mean, you'd think the the, the uh, reasoning you're giving here for being devil's advocate of why you might want to play him would also work for the American Express, which you missed the cut. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think people were pretty high on him for the American Express. I think people are high on Pendrith until they're not, and then they get fed up of him, and then he starts playing well again. Um, Ben Griffin's obviously going to be popular. I don't think we need to cover too much of that. He's in really solid form. It's his type of event. If he wins, he wins. I'm I'm not going to be there. Um, Alex Smalley, similar sort of thing. I like Taylor Moore in this range. I do too. I like him a lot. Um, I like, you know, I didn't love event. Like originally he's a Texas guy. It seems like a lot of West Coast guys really play this well. Yeah. Um, but he was, whatever, 13th here last year? 16th, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was encouraging. That enough for me to play him with the way he's playing right now. Especially with the 11th at Tory last week. Um, yeah. You know, CJ Cup, he was fifth after 54 holes. He just seems to be, you know, we spoke about Taylor Moore a fair bit last year. He seems to be realising that potential. And I think he is a case of talent will just take over in this kind of event. I thought Dean Burmester was overpriced, and I don't really want to go there. David Lipsky and Trey Mullinax, I like both. Uh, I don't like Malinax. I do like Lipsky. Do you like not like Malinax because it's just negating his strength again? Yeah, I he I just think it's a certain place he he does well at. I don't think this is it. He's been fine here though. Fourteen, forty second, forty seven, twenty second, twenty eighth. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, the fact that he has been good here, when you think about him not being, and the thing that's really encouraging about that is it's like years apart in a time where he wasn't playing his best, and now he's kind of playing better. I think Malinax could kind of surprise a few people. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if it's necessarily a surprise. Like People are looking for the guys that are just playing consistently well, and he's one of them. Um, but I think he's a good price at 8100 I actually think he's underpriced compared to the others. Yeah, I uh, I can see that for sure. Um, but there's a there's kind of a guy in this range. I, I like Lipsky too. He's going to be really popular, and I, he's a guy you could see. Can I see him winning? Not really, but there are some guys in this range that I can see winning. So like I... And I can see guys winning all the way down to like that okay. I'm going to be playing guys who I think have a chance to win. Yeah. Who, who are the other guys you like in this? I mean, I like Nick Taylor as a, as a former champion. Yeah. Well, for, for me, the guy I like the most in this entire range is EVR. Um, I, my article came out like 20, 30 minutes ago, and he's the, he's the cover on it. I think he um, has a chance to win. I bet him at 85, 90 to 1, something like that. Um, but like, I feel like he's going really under the radar here, which is great. He's going to be not popular at all. And he, last week, he shoots a 60 on Sunday, which you always love to see. I'm um, sorry, not last week, American Express, yeah. in, his, in his last start. Um, in only the two rounds on the stadium course, he finished sixth place, 60 on sun, uh, 62 on Sunday. And then he gained 3.3 in approach, 8.2 tee to green on just two rounds on the uh, stadium course. And um, I don't know, I can just see him kind of c- competing here. 
Uh, he was. Is there anything else I wanted to say about him? He, um, led, he led the field in in tee green and around the green on those on those two rounds, and was tenth on the approach. So I can see it. I mean, I saw um, Andy Lack put him up on our on our golf monthly article, but I just think he's so volatile. Like whenever, is, whenever you think Van Royen's going to play well, he doesn't, and that's what scares me. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that too. Um, but I think this isn't like the typical place where you'd think he was going to play well. And yeah. you know what, too? The, the, the universe is kind of has a weird way about it. Where last week you had the, the joggers on Sunday, and now yeah. he makes a comment to Phil. And now isn't isn't just the way the world works this week? We're going to say, oh, the other guy with the joggers is up in, up in the final group on Sunday. Yeah, I, yeah, it is. It has a funny way of working. <laughs> I, I think he's a better bet than he is a DraftKings player, is what I would say. I do agree with that. Yeah, I do agree with that. But I'm going to be doing both. Yeah, I mean, look, you have to take chances in these sort of events. And, you know, Nick Taylor is safer as Van Royen is volatile. And probably, I'd say they've probably got equal upside to win. Maybe. Yeah, I'd say so. Is that our stump of the 8K range? Yeah, that's it for me. We've got a big old big old range here now in the 7Ks. I mean, Scott Stallings writes himself here at 7,900, right? Sure. I, I, I wish he'd been playing a little bit better. Well, that, like everybody seems pretty keen on him, and I get it. Like he's got his good course history. He's kind of revitalised his career a little bit, but he's not playing well. Like 40, no, 58, 54, 25th miscut, and the 25th was in the tournament champions, which is 30 people. I mean, since the Tour Championship, he's lost strokes on approach in eight straight weeks, and isn't that usually what he does well? When he's when he finished second at the BMW, he gained six on approach. Uh, when he finished eighth at the Travelers, he gained 7.2. When he finished fourth at John Deere, he gained 3.7. He's lost six straight events and not a little bit. He's losing a lot each week. So I just think he's out of form. So I'm, I'm all set. Yeah, he's 126th in this field over the last 15 weeks in the strokes gain approach. Not good. Which is which is concerning for someone like Scott Stallings, really. I mean, I know there's in players that Yeah, in, in a tough, tough old field. I can see it. I can see it, but I'm not, again, like... I'd rather take a chance on going up to those 8K guys than worrying about shooting him in at 7-9. Yeah. Lanto Griffin, 7-6? Um, he's going to be popular, and I'm concerned a little bit about the health. I know... I was encouraged uh, by what I saw last week. Yeah, yeah. Statistically, he didn't do much well. Um, he was just okay. He was okay. Yeah. Like he could, be, he could be fine, but for me, I just I'm going to pass. I think the thing you've got to look at, so he was 13th for the halfway stage on the Corn Ferry Tour, shot 81-76 over the weekend. And then last week he was uh, 15th going into the last round, shot 77 on the Sunday. Like maybe it is just the back doesn't hold out long enough. Yeah, it, yeah, I think it's, it's tough. And, and competitive rust as well, right? Like he hasn't been playing for, what is it, like six months? Yeah, and that's kind of how he felt like with Zalatoris. Everyone was so quick to bet him at Farmers because, oh, he competed here twice and blah, but like, you can't just not play for six months and win an event, yeah. even if you play once. Like you got you got to play a couple of times, in my opinion. So I feel the same way about him. Nick Hardy hasn't played well at this golf course, but it feels like a golf course. Nick Hardy can play well at golf courses. It does. It does feel that way. Um, but I, there's a couple other guys in this range who I'm going to play instead. Hit me. Uh, the, my, one of my favorite places is Bo Hostler. Um, <laughs> I remember you said that was the first guy you asked me about price wise on Sunday, and I sent you the kind of things, <laughs> and you're like, "What's Pro Bo Hostler's price? Like, Why do you care?" <laughs> like, what? yeah, that's the first guy. I, I, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. Like, uh, so Boston, close to where I live, just uh, opened it. Just 
legalized gambling today. I think it's the I first day. That, yeah. Encore in Boston for the first time. So I was going to say, go there and the, my first ever legal bet. Um, I've never made a legal bet before. So my first ever legal bet would be uh, Bo Hostler to win the Pebble Beach like at 100 to 1. That uh, would, I, I don't know if that would be equal parts amazing and, and pretty depressing that your first ever bet was Bo Hostler. I mean, it'd be it pretty fun. Be. Um, how far away is that from you, that bet, Jim? Probably like 35 minutes. That's worth a trip then. Um, another guy I like in his range, Russell Knox. 7,500. I like Knox too, yeah. Who doesn't? Um, I, I guess he's going to be pretty popular. Yeah. He's going to be he's safe, though. I like him because I feel like he's... like I, He doesn't have the ceiling. We've talked about this before. He'll come in 33rd every single week. Yeah. Well, I actually think here, though, he has the ceiling. Yeah. So I, I think there's a limited amount of events. I think Maya Cobra, Sony, here, places like Wyndham and Heritage, where I think he can actually contend. I mean, he was in that kind of five-man logjam behind Spieth here in 2021. He had a one-shot penalty on the first hole, never really scored enough to come back from that, finished seventh. But he was actually, you know, one-shot back going into the final round. Yeah, 30... I was on him that week. I remember I remember vividly. He was wearing nice. a little uh, winter cap. I, it, was, uh, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you were living the dream. 14th, yeah. 15th, 25th, 28th, otherwise. Like, I think there's top 10 upside for him for sure. I remember going into that day thinking he was going to win. Um, he was, I mean, Saturday night before I went to bed, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Knox is winning this thing tomorrow. And then that, he had the penalty on one, yeah. Um, I, I do like him a lot. I think he's, and I do agree that his ceiling is higher here than anywhere else. But even so, I think his floor is a lot higher too than a lot of guys in this range. Like, I think he's, you know, worst case scenario, I don't want to say anything could happen, but like finishes 35th and whatever, you still, you still have a chance to win. You yeah, like, I don't think he's destructive. Whereas I think, Ryan Palmer can be destructive. I think Bo Hostler can oh, yeah. be destructive. I think uh, Benny Ann can be destructive, right? What about Kurt Kitayama? No, I never play him, and I usually it usually works out well for me. I just I just wonder, like everyone was kind of excited about him playing him in bigger fields, and that's based on the fact that he's played well in better fields before. I just think at some point he's going to take one of these smaller events down. He, he might. He has a talent to do it, right? And he plays well in the wind if that if that comes. So. Interesting one there. And then I like Joseph Bramlett. Hmm. Who, another bomber. Yeah, like another bomber. And I, got, I know that kind of goes against Grain, but he's played here before. He finished 18th um, in 2020. He was 63rd uh, the following year. So nothing great. But when you look at kind of his recent finishes, 63rd, 9th, 64th, 54th, 54th, 13th. So he's finished 13th at uh, Torrey Pines last week. Ball striking numbers are fine. Obviously, a bit of a Cali guy based on... Didn't he go to Stanford? Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of his approach numbers, he's ranked 5th, 47th, 31st, 45th, 8th, the last uh, five events. That's T to green, sorry. Um, and then, in approach, he's been 29th, 18th, 25th, 53rd, 6th. So, I think he's probably fine for this kind of event. Yeah, sure, sure. I think it's a little bit of a contrarian play, which is good. Um, well, because I've, think... I've seen popular kind of takes on Gary Kigo and, and Benny Ann, everyone tends to love, which I get. But I think he's a good player at that price. Um, yeah, he's good. He, I think I think so too. I think there's a, a, a lot about that. I think it's a good contrarian play, which we are going to need a couple. Um, there are two plays here that I just like a really lot, uh, in addition to Hostler and Knox. So I'm going to. You know, I have four guys that I want to play and um, five guys in the seven Ks, so I so I can't play them, but I do like that case. Is one of them Troy Merritt? Yes. Give me the Troy Merritt spell. 
So I like um, that he, his course history here is great, uh, and I think he has a really high ceiling. He was he fourth last year. Yeah, fourth last year. He's been eighth, sixteenth, and twenty fifth as well in between. Yeah. So his last four starts, the worst he's come is twenty fifth. He's gotten he's gotten better each year for the most part until the fourth last year. So I, I think he can build off that. And he's not playing incredibly well, but if you look at it two starts ago, I think at the American Express he gained like six strokes on approach. Yeah, ranked third in the field on approach that week, and. He was only 44th tee screen, which I'm assuming he had some short game woes there. Yeah, I just think he's the type who can gain like eight strokes putting and win an event. Yeah, I do too. I, I think he was, again, I think he's another one that's actually a reasonably good bet. The 65th at, at Sony when he was hitting the ball so well is disappointing, but I don't really care about miscuts at Amex. It just happens sometimes. The third at the Maya Cobra is probably a, a nice indicator of what he can do. Yeah, he, so he's one of my bets, too. I, I've discussed a couple of them, but the EVR, Hostler were the first two, Merritt is the third, um, and I get two more down here. This guy. Uh, Justin Suh. Who, wow, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a change of pace for you. I've been very vocal against Justin Suh, but <laughs> people were betting him at, at, at uh, Fortinet at, like, 28 to 1. Like, I just thought that was crazy. Now yeah, he's, like, a hundred. That was yeah. me. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we said this, though, right? We said that he, I think he was, like, 40 to 1 that week, and we were, like, this is like nut low price for him this week. Yeah. And give it five events and he'll be 100 to 1. We literally said those. I'm sure if we go back and listen to that podcast, we said exactly that. I think yeah. we probably said the same about Taylor Montgomery as well, or potentially that close to Taylor Montgomery. It didn't, but I I think another five events down the line, that could happen to Taylor Montgomery as well. So. Yeah, and I just think if there's any event he's going to win, it could be this one. He went to USC kind of close by. Um, he puts really, really well on this West Coast POA. Like, all these good starts he's had have been, um, which isn't many, but they've all been on this West Coast POA. Then look at the Farmers. Finishing 20th, gaining 4.1 strokes putting on, um, in only two measured rounds. Like, I just think he puts really well here. And I think that 20th last week was a really, really good sign for him. And now he's in a much weaker field. And, of course, that suits him much better. Um, I just think it's a good spot to get on him low. So according to this little tool I've got on tour tips, his best surface is bent grass followed by Bermuda and then it's power, but it's all pretty much for much. It's 69.17 on bent grass, 69.64 Bermuda, 70.49 on power. Uh, Paz Ballamy does not like, which, you know, considering what he's had over the last few weeks is is probably a, an indicator of that. I think that can definitely flip-flop. When, when I'm looking at him, completely different, which is odd. Um, he's about level on Bermuda. He's barely anything on bent. And Poe, he's almost a stroke on the field. From what I see, wow, it's weird, isn't it? It's weird what so, we've got different. We're data. all just making that stuff up, and we just go by it. But unless, unless this is like this data, maybe like includes fair, things. Yeah, like fairway and greens and, and yeah, rough and everything. Probably. So it's probably full um, power rather than you know things like that. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah, this is just strokes game putting. Yeah, that it could be that little bit of difference there. So um, yeah, I, I think this is a buy low spot on them. Yeah, I mean, again, this will actually just be stroke. This is just stroke average, what I've read out. So maybe he was just, he was putting better, but his ball striking wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that would lead to that. So, yeah, good. I like that. 27 out of 33 cuts, according to, uh, according to DraftKings. 20th last week, really encouraging for Justin Sir. And 7-3, I think, is it's pretty cheap. Yeah, and he's not looking too popular. He's like one of my favorite plays, uh, one of my favorite bets this week. Is Nate Lashley got any popularity this week? Nate Lashley, he yes, he's he's going to be pretty popular for the for the price. Yeah, so it makes Same sense. Merit. And I do get it, but I would probably play Merit at seventy two rather than Lashley at seventy three if the ownership's pretty similar. Yeah. Wow, it gets this is where it, I think this is basically the dead zone from here on. 
Um, I still got a couple good ones. Go on. You got Streelman, who has a great course history. He hasn't been playing well, but I just think at his age and kind of his game, like it doesn't really matter if he's playing too well. I think I still think he can come here and play well. He made the cut last week at the Farmers, which is encouraging for a guy like him. We saw Snedeker come back and play well at these kind of events as a, as an older player. I think there's a, a limitation to him. I don't think he can win this event anymore. I think I probably backed him two years ago in this, and it's probably the end. But he was like sixth at the 54-hole stage at the RSM and just kind of fell away. And like you say, he made the cut last week. is encouraging considering it's an event he shouldn't do well at. Um, this was a great question when you asked me, uh, what about Danny Willett this week? And I had no idea what event he was playing in, and I still said no. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you, is, is Danny Willett the other one? Yeah, and I bet him at 130 to 1. Okay. Uh, which I'm sure you're going to say this, and I agree too. He's, he's definitely a better bet than a DraftKings play. Yeah. Because he, like, he's the, the class of the field in terms of after the top three, like, who can actually win, win equity. The, the, and there's a, a couple reasons I liked him. One, he played so well at the Fortnite. That was where he almost won. It's a very similar uh, agronomy and kind of uh, climate there. Um, he was okay. He got a round of the uh, tournament under his belt, the American Express. He was all right. Like, he missed the cut, but he like he didn't do anything horribly statistically. And I also like that he's won the Dunhill Links, where it's kind of a similar long pro-am that you're going to be playing. So I, I, I can and I can picture him winning this event. I don't know why. I can just picture it in my mind's eye. <coughs> I mean, we have nothing to go against it because he just doesn't play this event, right? Like, he finished 12th at the US Open here in 2019. Yeah, that was part you, of it, too. You would think that in your head, you're thinking he would be better suited to the US Open-type layout. His strokes gain numbers are, are not great at the moment, but they never really are for Danny Willett until, you know, unless he's strung four or five events in a row, which doesn't happen very often for him anymore. But he just peaked, right? Like, I backed him at 100-1 to one to win the Dunhill Links, and he won it in 2021, and that's just what he does. When you look at his last four wins, Masters, DP World Tour Championship, Wentworth, Dunhill Links. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, hell, of, hell of a record. And, you know, he's got three top three finishes in WGCs. He's got two other top six finishes in the Open on top of his Masters win. Talent-wise, he's, he's basically better than half the field, like you say. He's still only 35. It's just because he has these horrendous dips of form that people forget about him. Right, and you know what? Look at the Fortnite leaderboard. Like, well, he, nearly, he nearly won that. Like, he should have won that event. And look at the guys around it. Max Homa, West Coast guy. You got Ben On, West Coast guy. Ricky Fowler, West Coast guy. Sahit Tagala, West Coast guy. Nick Taylor, West Coast guy. Like, So a lot of these guys are playing. Tom Hoagie finished 12th that week. So I think there are guys who are playing. Like That might be a, uh, a little glimpse into what he can do at this course when he plays it. I shouldn't have been so dismissive the other day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like. I think I do like it as a bet. I, it scares the, the life out of me as a as a DraftKings player. Join me on the bet just so we can have something to talk. Yeah, about. I'm going to join you in the bet so we can get good. excited. Um, then you kind of got these kind of familiar faces. I asked you about Harry Higgs and whether he was still alive last week, and you said no, but he made the cut. Sorry, he was like up there, and then all of a sudden he fell back. I think on Friday. Yeah, he, he realized he was Harry Higgs again. Um, yeah, he, yeah. No, for me, I don't trust him at all. But I think he's again. I think there's a little bit of upside to him. This like he finished 18th in his only start or well, debut here. Uh, he did miss the cut the following year, but like he was eighth at the halfway stage. And I just think when you start getting down to this, you have to take some shots. But like you just said about Willett and things like that. And yes, there's a class difference between Danny Willett and Harry Higgs. It's pretty stark. But you know, a lot of people are going to want to go to like the Harry Halls and the the upside of the the younger guys. And I, I don't mind Higgs. Yeah, I just can't click him over 
Willett or Merritt or Saw. Like, I just like these other guys so much better. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything for the Hubbards and the Baddeleys of this range? No, I'm done with those those five guys. Jimmy Walker, 6'9". Yeah. It seems am, it, it uh, seems expensive for Jimmy Walker, which I like, but it's not when you think about his history. And how bad the bottom of the field is. Yeah, like... Yeah. He's won this event before. He's had four top, four other top eights and 11th. He's he finished 33rd here last year. He had three missed cuts between the 8th and the 33rd. But before that, he was lights out. 9th, 9th, 3rd, 1st, 21st, 11th, 55th, 8th. I know he's completely different golfer now since, you know, he got the um, Lyme disease and things like that. And I actually feel incredibly sorry for someone like Jimmy Walker because he, his career was, you know, on a real high trajectory at that point. Uh, but 13th last week at Torrey Pines is ridiculously good. Yeah, and his last two, Fortnite, 25th, and then missed a bunch of cuts, and then Farmer. So I think it, he might still have these places where he plays well. And the fact that he played here last year and finished in 33rd, despite yeah. uh, being in, in, in poor form. Um, and, and like his missed cuts before that, Houston, he shot a second round 69 to miss out in 88th place. He went 70-71 at Sony, nothing terrible. 68-71-71 last week where the cut was just getting away from him. Like, it's not that type of event. I know he can shoot low. He's going to have to shoot low to play well here. But, yeah, I'm I'm fine with Jimmy Walker at 6-9. Yeah, I'm going to try to end in the, in the uh, low sevens if possible because I like so many guys there and I don't really like anything in the sixes. But he was, like, the only guy I had starred here in the sixes. So, yeah, I think of the, of the bunch, he's probably the best. The, the thing that you, you said at the start of the show, though, so we said about partnering Spieth and Fitz, and you said, oh, that kind of leaves you with 7-3 and that's it. All your guys are there. Yeah, yeah, I know. I could like, you can, you could play Sir Willett, you know, and, and be pretty happy. Yeah, I could. I think it's a good idea. We're, we're going to put together a lineup like that in a minute. Um, yeah. We do need to look at some 6K guys just for the benefit of the show. Um, man, it's tough. Marcel Seems playing well. I don't know what he's going to do. I yeah, he's, he's playing well. He's... He's not going to contend in this event, but he's playing well enough. Um, I don't think it is anyone. Can we ever realistically look at anyone in the 6K range as someone that could challenge for the win? No, not really. I mean, James Hahn is a guy. James Hahn, I was going to say, like he's the guy, right? Yeah, he was the only. So I only had start. I had um, I had uh, Walker, Hahn, and Steam all start. Anyone else, I really don't want to go anywhere near. I mean, if you're looking at just simply maybe can win, like Brian Gay is a guy who could play well here. Yeah. Glover? I don't want to play him, but someone like a Glover or a Hadley. Yeah, I guess. I could see Hadley doing well. At six eight. He just, he's just a Bermuda guy, from what you know. Like, that's he's what got, I think. He's got solid finishes: thirty fifth, ninth, and eighteenth. And ninth is actually in the U.S. Open as well. So maybe he just prefers it a little bit tougher. But the thirty fifth and eighteenth are encouraging enough. I know there's been kind of miscuts either side. That it's very mirror image, like kind of miscuts. Couple of decent just a couple of miscuts again. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's pretty encouraging for, for someone like yeah, Hadley. If you have to, like, I mean, when you start getting to Luke Donald 6'9 and even Jimmy Walker 6'9, you, you, you know things are tough. Um, I don't know. Harrison Endicott, he keeps coming, sort of flashing up every now and then. 22nd at the American Experience, 10th at the Bermuda, 12th at the Fortinet. That's a pretty good little bank of form for this event. Yeah, it, it's definitely a guy you could probably go to if you had to. Um, again, I'm going to try to avoid as much as I can. But, yeah, I think you're right. Like, Hadley and Endicott are decent players down here if you, if you really got to do it. 
He talks about Nunes a couple of times as well. He just makes enough cuts that suggest that he could go well here. But I'm not, like you say, it's definitely risky being in here. Brent Grant played well last week at the Pebble at, at Tory 25th. Um, obviously took advantage of the North Course on day one. But yeah, he's made the cut of the RSM as well. Bermuda 35th. He could be interesting, Brent Grant. Otherwise, yeah. it's, it's really tough. 6100, you got John Pack, who like was came on with Davis Thompson and was supposed to be a good player, and he's a California guy too. Um, but he's just been got off on the PGA Tour. How so. has he got on here? I don't Probably know. Tour finals, I guess. Maybe? Or he might. I don't even know if he's got a card. Maybe he's just got into this event somehow. He didn't even play uh, well on the Corn Ferry Tour, really. There, there's legitimately people I don't know in this range now. Um, yeah, same. I would almost. There's certain players in the celebrity portion that I'd probably take over some of these guys in the 6K range. you got Bob Garrigus. I don't know how they got Liv's best player in this field. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, number one. I, I still think James Hahn's going for the win so he can get the he can get the Liv sign-up. I think that's what he's looking for. He just wants that win uh, to get himself into the Liv uh, field, if you like. We'll try it, um, yeah. He, he floated that rumor about himself. Yeah, he loves that. Uh, he's a legend. Yeah, it I looks remember, like Harris is joining Liv, did right? I, did I tell you that Hart, I saw him in an airport and was too scared to go up to him. No. Yeah, I saw him in an airport at like the open. And you know, like when you think you recognize someone, but it'd be really offensive if it wasn't that person? Yeah, hey, that, well, that's, that's how I felt. If it wasn't him, the guy would be like, Who the fuck is Robert Garrigus? Yeah. No, I'm talking about James Hahn. Oh, Hahn, Hahn, Hahn. Yeah, yeah no, no Robert, I could not tell you what Robert Garrigus looked like unless he was sweating. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't recognize him in an airport. Oh, if it was you, Hahn is so recognizable. But this was this is what I mean. I was like, that is yeah, James yeah. Hart. Like I literally turned to him down and was like, that's James Hart. And I was like, but he's kind of not famous enough to look stupid in front of. But I think it's a perfect situation because like he's the type of guy who's not famous enough to where he's gonna get like be annoyed and he's yeah. And you should probably like have a beer with you or something. Yeah, I mean that that was the thing. He was kind of just sat at the la- like he wasn't even like near a, a bar or anything. Like if he yeah. was having a beer and I was next to him, everyone just gone, are you James Hart? Do you want a beer? But he was just kind of sat with his headphones on. And I was like. You're gonna disturb him. Get My headphones are tough. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, James Hahn. I could have I could have met the uh, the assassin. That would have been so, great. But yeah. Anyway, that's enough of that. I think I, I told you I was gonna rest my voice at the start of this, and we're forty odd minutes in. So um, let's give us our best ten k guys. I'm going Fitz. I will go with Speed. Nine k. I am gonna go with Joel Damon. I'm just gonna plant my flag there. I will go McNeely. I think McNeely's like it, people just really want it to happen. It's it's just going to happen at some point. So I do like McNeely. Yeah. Eight eight K. I think a lot of what I've written this week is all about Ta- uh, Nick Taylor. But I think Taylor Moore at eight three is a good play. I do like him. I'm going to go EVR at eight K flat. Also, I do like Trey Mullinax. I think he's going to be overlooked. So um, he's definitely overlooked. That that's a that's a good range. I like that eight K range. I think that's where we can get different. Um, let's take. Three guys from the sevens because it's it's a big old range. Um, I am going to go with Joseph Bramlett at seven four. I am going to go with Troy Merritt with you at seven two, and I'm going to give Harry Higgs a go at seven one. Okay, I have three different ones. I like Merritt too, but and I'm playing him. But I'm going to go Hostler, Saw, and Willett. God, this is like—I mean, what year is it? If if, if Hustler and Willett are in, is it like 2014 that we're? The Hustler's like 27. Yeah, I know. That's what's that's what's scary. He looks like 37. Yeah. Um, so a little bit like um, Cameron Young and Scott uh, Scotty Scheffler are both 
younger than they look. Jimmy Walker, 6'9", is about as comfortable as I'm going to get in that range, although I do like Chesson Hadley. And I think Brent Grant's interesting, along with Harrison Endicott. So where do I go? I'll go with Endicott, 6'7". I'm going to go like Walker, too. I agree with you. He's really one of the only playable guys down here. And then if I had to pick a second as a backup, it would be uh, the assassin, James Hunt. Should we put this, let's put this lineup together, then, just quickly, that we said about... So let's play Spieth and Fitz. That leaves us with seven three two five. Who's the most expensive next guy we want in? How much does it leave us with seven three? Seven three. Um, I think we can go like seven four or something like we just straight in that range. I think you just put in put in Willett. Go, go Hostler, Bramlett, Willett. Yeah. Or Merritt. We can go Merritt and Willett and just finish it off that way. Yeah. So that that is your your stars and scrubs lineup is. Spieth, Fitz, Bramlett, Hostler, Merritt, Willett. I think that's a good lineup, too. You get a lot of upside, and those two guys like, can get you a lot of points with Spieth and Fitz. Not many people will start with both of them. I think it's a good lineup. It's definitely a three out of six lineup, though, isn't it? I never had a three out of six, ever. <laughs> I have, so, I've, had, I've had too many that I, I want to I count. Yeah, I, I, I had a five out of six miscut lineup the other day. It's crazy. I, I don't. I've never had those types of lineups. I don't know why it hasn't happened to me yet. So I'm sure this will be the week. Well, I think, like you said, there's, there's plenty of upside there. But if you if you feel comfortable with them, you don't have these three out of sixes, then then let's put that one in. So yeah. I like that. Uh, Fitz, Spieth, Bramlett, Hostler, Merritt, Willett. That's a lot of its at the end of it. Bramlett. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a good line. It's tough. That's a, that's a tongue twister that lineup. Matt, great as ever. Um, I think we've managed to. Personally, I'm more excited about the event than I was before I came on, so that's always a bonus. Hopefully, that's the same for the listeners. Um, iHeartRadio, Lost for Words podcast. Leave us a review if you can. Like this is one of the things. Like reviews have stagnated a lot on this podcast, and we get a lot of messages saying like, you know, love the podcast. I get one saying earlier like, I thought I'd missed it, even though I put the tweet out saying, you know, like it is going to go live. Yeah. But the reviews are so hard to get unless you kind of pay for them. And they are. And that is what kind of helps us because we're kind of top 20 in the charts in both America and the UK when it comes to kind of Wednesday evening for golf. But to get in that kind of top 10, top five again is is reviews. Because, I mean, I was like second or third when I first started because reviews just get you back out there and new podcasts yep. get like rewarded. So let's get those reviews back in and, and climb those charts. All right, here's the thing. Hostler, Willett, or Saw are going to be in one of the final two groups on Sunday. That's what I that's what I promise you guys. And if it does happen, all of you listening at this right now have to go give a review on Monday morning. Perfect. I like all right. it. Go and place that legal bet on Hostler. All right, have a good one.